With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hey sis, welcome back to Girl Goodnight. I'm Return of Lamac, and every Sunday you can relax to binaural beats while I read you a melanated bedtime story. Join the Girl Goodnight gang. You can find us on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. All links will be in the episode description. Complete the form linked in our bio to be featured on the show and share your thoughts and opinions in the Girl Goodnight Land Facebook group. Help your friends sleep in melanated peace. Girls, share the show and show us some love with the five-star rating and review. Our journals make the perfect addition to the show. View them and all of our merch on Etsy, link in description. Tonight, we'll be reading John Redding Goes to Sea, written by Zora Neale Hurston. To hear more about Zora Neale Hurston, check out the Lawing and Drawing episode. John Redding Goes to Sea, the first short story published by Zora Neale Hurston, was published in the May 1921 issue of the Stylist Literary Magazine at Howard University. In the story, we meet John Redding, who is dying to leave his hometown and explore what lies beyond. On his journey, he encounters many roadblocks, such as his family and his new wife. Ultimately, John gets his wish, although it wasn't how he envisioned. Now, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and sleep in melanated peace. Mrs. Redding arose and flung out of the room. For once, she was too incensed to cry. John stood in his tracks, gone cold and numb at his mother's pronouncement. Alfred, too, was moved. Mrs. Redding banged the bedroom door violently, and John started slightly. Alfred took his son's arm, saying softly, Come, son, let's go down to the river. At the water's edge, they halted for a short space before seating themselves on the log. The sun was settling in a purple cloud. Hundreds of mosquito hawks darted here and there, catching gnats and being themselves caught by the lightning-swift bull bats. John abstractly snapped into the stalk of a slender young bamboo. Taking no note of what he was doing, he broke it into short lengths and tossed them singly into the stream. The old man watched him silently for a while, but finally he said, Oh, yes, my boy. Some ships get tangled in the weeds. Yes, Papa, they certainly do. I guess I'm beaten. Might as well surrender. Never say that. You never can tell what will happen. What can happen. I have courage enough to make things happen, but what can I do against Mama? What man wants to go on a long journey with his mother's curses ringing in his ears? She doesn't understand. I'll wait another year, but I am going because I must. Alfred threw an arm about his son's neck and drew him nearer, but quickly removed it. Both men instantly drew apart, 
ashamed for having been so demonstrative. The father looked off to the woodlot and asked with a reminiscent smile, Son, do you remember showing me the tree that looked like a skeleton head? Yes, I do. It's there still. I look at it sometimes when things have become too painful for me at the house and I run down here to cool off and think. And every time I look at it, Papa, it laughs at me like it had some grim joke up its sleeve. You was always imagining things, John. Things that nobody else ever thought on. You know, Papa, sometimes I reckon my longing to get away makes me feel this way. I feel that I'm just earth, soil, lying helplessly to move myself, but thinking. I seem to hear herds of big beasts like horses and cows thundering over me and rains beating down and winds sweeping furiously over, all acting upon me. But me? Well, just soil. Feeling, but not able to take part in it all. Then a soft wind like love passes over and warms me. A summer rain comes down like understanding and softens me. And I push a blade of grass or a flower or maybe a pine tree. That's the ground thinking. Plants are ground thoughts because the soil can't move itself. Whenever I see little worlds of dust sailing down the road, I always step aside. Don't want to stop them because they're on their shining way moving. Oh, yes, I am a dreamer. I have such wonderfully complete dreams, Papa. They never come true. But even as my dreams fade, I have others. Yes, son. I have them same feelings exactly, but I can't find no words like you do. It seems like you and me, we see with the same eyes, hear with the same ears, and even feel the same inside. Only thing, you can talk it, I can't. But anyhow, you speaks for me, so what's the difference? The men arose with more conversation. Possibly, they feared to trust themselves to speech. As they walked leisurely toward the house, Alfred remarked the freshness of the breeze. It's about time the rain sets in, added his son. The year is wearing on. After a gloomy supper, John strolled out into the spacious front yard and seated himself beneath the chinaberry tree. The breeze had grown a trifle stronger since sunset and continued from the southeast. Maddie and Stella sat on the deep front porch, but Alfred joined John under the tree. The family was divided into two armed camps and the hostilities had reached that stage where no quarter could be asked or given. About nine o'clock, an automobile came flying down the dusty white road and halted at the gate. A white man slammed the gate and hurried up the walk toward the house, but stopped abruptly before the men beneath the Chinaberry. It was Mr. Hill, the builder of the new bridge that was to span the river. Howdy, John. Howdy, Alf. I'm mighty glad I found you. I'm in trouble. Well now, Miss Hill, Alfred answered slowly but pleasantly. We's glad you found us too. What trouble could you be having now? It's the bridge. The Weather Bureau says that the rains will be upon me in 48 hours. If I catch the bridge as it is now, I'm afraid all my work of the past five months will be swept away to say nothing of a quarter of a million dollars worth of labor and material. I got all my men at work now, and I thought to get as many extra hands as I could to help out tonight and tomorrow. We can make a weather tight in that time if I can get about 20 more. I'll go, Mr. Hill, said John with a great deal of energy. 
I don't want Papa out on that bridge. Too dangerous. Good for you, John, cried the white man. Now, if I had a few more men of your brawn and brain, I could build an entirely new bridge in 48 hours. Come on, jump in the car. I'm taking the men on down as I find them. Wait a minute. I must put on my blue jeans. I won't be long. John arose and strode to the house. He knew that his mother and wife had overheard everything, but he paused for a moment to speak to them. Mama, I'm going to work all night on the bridge. There was no answer. He turned to his wife. Stella, don't be lonesome. I'll be home at daybreak. His wife was as silent as his mother. John stood for a few moments on the steps, then resolutely strolled past the women and into the house. A few minutes later, he emerged clad in his blue overalls and brogans. This time, he said nothing to the silent figures rocking back and forth on the porch. But when he was a few feet from the steps, he called back, Bye, Mama. Bye, Stella. And hurried on down the walk where his father sat. So long, Papa. I'll be home around seven. Alfred roused himself and stood. Placing both hands upon his son's broad shoulders, he said softly, Be careful, son. Don't fall or nothing. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. I will, Papa. Don't you get into a quarrel on my account. John hurried on to the waiting car and was whirled away. Alfred sat for a long time beneath the tree where his son had left him and smoked on. The women soon went indoors. On the night breeze were born numerous scents of jasmine, of roses, of damp earth of the river, of the pine forest nearby. A solitary whip-poor-will sent forth his plaintive call from the nearby shrubbery. A giant owl roared and boomed from the woodlot. The calf confined in the barn would bleat and be answered by his mother's sympathetic moo from the pen. Away down in Lake Howell Creek, the baso profundo of the alligators boomed and died boomed and died. Around 10 o'clock, the breeze freshened, growing stiffer until midnight when it became a gale. Alfred fastened the doors and bolted the wooden shutters at the windows. 
The three persons sat about a round deal table in the kitchen upon which stood a bulky kerosene lamp flickering and sputtering in the wind that came through the numerous cracks in the walls. The wind rushed down the chimney, blowing puffs of ashes about the room. It banged the cooking utensils on the walls. The drinking gourd hanging outside by the door played a weird tattoo, hollowed and unearthly against the thin wooden wall. The man and the women sat silently. Even if there had been no storm, they would not have talked. They could not go to bed because the women were afraid to retire during a storm and the man wished to stay awake and think with his son. Thus they sat, the women hot with resentment toward the man and terrified by the storm. The man, hardly mindful of the tempest, but eating his heart out in pity for his boy. Time wore heavily on. And now a new element of terror was added. A screech owl alighted on the roof and shivered forth his doleful cry. Possibly he had been blown out of his nest by the wind. Maddie started up at the sound but fell back in her chair, pale and trembling. My God, she gasped. That's a show sign of death. Stella hurriedly thrusted her hand into the salt jar and threw some into the chimney of the lamp. The color of the flame changed from yellow to blue-green, but this burning of salt did not have the desired effect to drive away the bird from the roof. Maddie slipped out of her blue calico wrapper and turned it wrong side out before replacing it. Even Alfred turned one sock. Alf, said Maddie, what do you reckon's gonna happen from this? How do I know, Maddie? I wish John hadn't went away from here tonight. Hmm. Outside, the tempest raged. The palms rattled dryly and the giant pines groaned inside in the grip of the wind. Flying leaves and pine masts filled the air. Now and then, a brilliant flash of lightning disclosed a bird being blown here and there with the wind. The prodigious roar of the thunder seemed to rock the earth. Black clouds hung so low that the tops of the pines were among them moving slowly before the wind and made the darkness awful. The screech owl continued his tremulous cry. After three o'clock, the wind ceased and the rain commenced. Huge drops clattered down upon the shingle roof like buckshot and ran from the eaves in the torrents. It entered the house through the cracks in the walls and under the doors. It was a deluge in volume and force, but subsided before morning. The sun came up brightly on the havoc of the wind and rain, calling forth millions of feathered creatures. The white sand everywhere was full of tiny cubs dug out by the force of the falling raindrops. The rims of the little depressions crunched noisily underfoot. At daybreak, Mr. Redding set out for the bridge. He was uneasy. On arriving, he found that the river had risen 12 feet during the cloudburst and was still rising. The slow St. John was swollen far beyond its banks and rushing onto sea like a mountain stream, sweeping away houses, great blocks of earth, cattle, trees, and in short, anything that came within its grasp. Even the steel framework of the new bridge was gone. The siren of the fiber factory was tied down for half an hour, announcing the disaster to the countryside. When Alfred arrived, therefore, he found nearly all of the men of the district there. The river, red and swollen, was full of floating debris. Huge trees were swept along as relentlessly as chicken coops and fence rails. 
Some steel piles were all that was left of the bridge. Alfred went down to a group of men who were fishing members of the ill-fated construction gang out of the water. Many were able to swim ashore unassisted. Wagons backed up and were hurriedly driven away, loaded with wet, shivering men. Two men had been killed outright, others seriously wounded. Three men had been drowned. At last, all had been accounted for except John Redding. His father ran here and there asking for him or calling him. No one knew where he was. No one remembered seeing him since daybreak. Dozens of women had arrived at the scene of the disaster by this time. Maddie and Stella, wrapped in wooden shawls, were among them. They rushed to Alfred in alarm and asked where was John. I don't know, answered Alfred impatiently. That's what I'm trying to find out now. Do you reckon he's run away? Asked Stella thoughtlessly. Maddie bristled instantly. No, she said sternly. He ain't no sneak. The father turned to Fred Mims, one of the survivors, and asked him where John was and how had the bridge been destroyed. You see, said Mims, when that terrible wind come up, we was out about the middle of the river. Some of us was on the bridge, some on the derrick. The wind blows so hard we could scarcely stand, and Miss Hill told us to set down for a spell. He's afraid some of us might go overboard. Then all of a sudden, the lights went out. Guess the wires was blowed. We was all scared to move for slipping overboard. Then that rain commenced. I ain't never seen such a pour down since the flood. We sat there and someone began to pray. Lord, how did we pray to be spared? Then somebody raised a song and we sung. You hear me? We sung from the bottom of our hearts till daybreak. When the first light come, we couldn't see nothing but fog everywhere. You couldn't tell which was water and which was land. But when the sun come up, the fog began to lift and all we could see was the water. That fog was so thick and heavy that it was hugging the river like a winding sheet. And when it rose, we saw that the river had woes way up during the rain. My God, Al, it was running high, so high it nearly touched the span of the bridge and red as blood. So much clay, you know, from the land she overflowed. Coming down the stream as fast as the express train was three big pine trees. First one wasn't 40 feet from us and wasn't no chance to do nothing but pray. The first one struck us and the whole works and before it could stop shaking, the other two hit us and down we went. I thought I'd never see home again. But, Mims, where's John? I ain't seen him out since the log struck us. Maybe he swum ashore. Maybe they picked him up. What's that floating way out there in the water? Alfred shaded his eyes with his gnarled brown hand and gazed out into the stream. Sure enough, there was a man floating on a piece of timber. He lay prone upon his back. His arms were outstretched and the water washed over his brogans, but his feet were lifted out of the water whenever the timber was buoyed up by the stream. His blue overalls were nearly torn from his body. A heavy piece of steel or timber had struck him in falling, where his left side was laid open by the thrust. A great jagged hole wherein the double fist of a man might be thrust could plainly be seen from the shore. The man was John Redding. Everyone seemed to see him at once. Stella fell to the wet earth in a faint. Maddie clung to her husband's arm, weeping hysterically. 
Alfred stood very erect with his wife clinging tearfully to him, but he said nothing. A single tear hung on his lashes for a time, then trickled slowly down his wrinkled brown cheek. Alf! Alf! screamed Maddie. There's our son! I know when I heard that owl last night. I see him, Maddie, returned her husband softly. Why is you standing here? Go get my boy! The men were manning a boat to rescue the remains of John Redding when Alfred spoke again. My poor boy. His dreams never come true. Alf, complained Maddie. Why don't you hurry and get my boy? Don't you see he's floating on off? Her husband paid her no attention but addressed himself to the rescue party. Y'all stop. Leave my boy. Go on. Don't stop him. Don't bring him back for that old tree to grin at. Leave him gone. He wants to go. I'm happy because this morning my boy is going to see. He's going to see. Out on the bosom of the river, bobbing up and down as if waving goodbye, piloting his little craft on the shining river road, John Redding floated away toward Jacksonville, the sea, the wide world, at last. Are you still up? Girl, good night. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.